I'm going to invite my friend Paul to come up and get situated, whatever he's going to get situated. I'm going to introduce him to you. Paul and I have known each other for what? 40 years? Oh, God. 40, 40 years. This is, this is either going to be a very uh, enlightful uh, experience for you or, or really painful. Oh, right. I hope. I'm not sure which. Um, Paul and I have known each other for a long time. We've been friends for, ooh, like I said, about 40 plus years. Well, we've known each other, but we haven't really been friends. friends. Yeah, we're, we're working on the friendship part. <laughs> we met at Jones Beach when we were, and we hit it off just like that. The first time we met each other. And I really, I really attribute that, uh, that connection that we had to this one spiritual gift that we share. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little known spiritual gift. It's the ability to make fun of people. Yeah. And um, we've, we've had that uh, going on for years. And uh, we've, we've honed that gift over. Some people don't think it's a gift. Some people don't think it's a gift. Maybe but the victims don't think it's a gift. Victims don't think it's a gift. But Paul and his wife, Vanessa, who couldn't be here today, are... Christine and I, uh, when we first got married and when Paul and Vanessa first got married, we actually moved to Florida our first year of marriage. And we sold everything that we had just to move down to Florida, thinking that we were going to be big stars. And, <laughs> and, and we, that didn't work out. That's uh, some good water fights, though. We had some yeah. good water fights and some zombie attacks and things <laughs> like that. But, uh, and we've uh, shared uh, experiences traveling with a, with a, a, a Christian, Christian. Famous. Famous Christian, um, Charismata. And if you look on eBay for our music, you won't find it. Uh, so, but anyways, we, we've, we've had a lot of experiences together. But the thing about Paul and Vanessa that I, that I love, they have some of the biggest hearts on the planet. And we're going to explore uh, one aspect of their heart today as we talk about an organization that Paul has helped found called Hope for Change. And I thought it was a couple of weeks ago when I asked him that it was going to be really important for him to be here as we, we, uh, I give him a, an interview. But also what's going on in the Philippines uh, right now is it, it seems really, really important to talk about this today. So one does not merely wake up one morning no. and decide that he is going to the Philippines. <laughs> no. no, one does merely do that. So how did, how did that happen? Well, I wish I could tell you that. Uh... I was such a philanthropic person that when I heard about the Philippines, I wanted to go and be a philanthropic person. But that's not anywhere near what happened. I've been involved in the music industry for many years. And at the time, uh, I was in a band and we were, you know, being cool. And and we were working with, uh, if you've been around, you remember Mylon Lefevre and Broken Heart. So we were uh, opening for them, and at the time they were planning a tour in the Philippines. So in talking with uh, the guy that was planning the trip, he said, you know, you should come with us. And so my first thought was, yes, an opportunity in the <laughs> You know, that's all it was. I said, yeah, I'm going. So another guy in the band and myself, we traveled with them to the Philippines. And honestly, I had to look at the map. I wasn't. I knew it was, you know, over there, but I didn't exactly know where or what. You know, uh, sometimes God uses things that we don't expect, and so uh, it was. It was a fabulous trip. Uh, the tour was amazing. It was like the Beatles were in town. It really was. They had just won a Grammy, and, and the Philippines, they love everything American and music, so they knew about them. And everywhere we went, there were huge crowds, and, they and it was. You on too, right? What's that? They cheered you on too. Right? Well. Yeah, there's a funny story about that. So we, on one afternoon, we went to visit some uh, college, uh, combination high school, college, thousands of kids. 
And so we, we pull up in these buses and we all file out. And they, and they had like a, they had a hold. I'm serious. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. They were holding people back and we had to walk through this crowd and get into the gymnasium. And for some reason, just logistically, I was the first guy to walk in. And I walk into this gym and the crowd explodes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not the guy, you know, I'm not, you know. And unbeknownst to me, everybody else stopped and said, let him go in by himself. <laughs> so I'm standing in this gym of like, like 5,000 people. They're screaming. And I look back and they're all like, take pictures of me. I'm laughing. And I thought to myself, I will never get an applause like this in my life. I'm just going to take. And I, <laughs> yes. I don't care if you don't know who I am. <laughs> so anyway, that was a funny thing. Yes. But our trip was uh, facilitated by Youth with a Mission. And so while we were there, we were in Manila, uh, they asked, would anybody like to go see the work that they're doing at what's called Smoky Mountain Garbage Dump, which is a garbage dump community of people who live on the garbage dump. So I knew, it was one of those things that I got to go. But uh, to be totally honest, I was scared to death to go because I was afraid of not only what I would see, but how I would react to what I'd see. This uh, true story, not that anything else wasn't true, but this is a true story. <laughs> so we went, a you know, small group of us, and we split into two groups, even smaller groups. So there were two ways to get into this community. You could go the main road that the garbage trucks went in, and some of them went that way. I went with a few other people this way, which was to walk down a short alleyway, and you get into the squatter housing. So we walk in, and as soon as we get into the housing, you know, it's like you're in another dimension. There's people and kids and noise. And, and uh, as I'm turning the corner, this little girl grabs me. You know, they're all like, oh, you know, a white person. And uh, she says, what's your name? What's your name? I said, oh, my name's Paul. And the whole crowd of people around her were like, oh, they got so excited. Oh, come in, come into our house. I'm like, okay. I like, go into this little shack. And they said, wait here. And they all disappeared. <laughs> here I am sitting in the squatter house by myself, like with nobody there. And meanwhile, the people I'm with are kept going. I'm thinking, this is bad. <laughs> There's nothing good about this. About a minute later, they come back, a minute which seemed like an hour for me, but a minute later, they come back with this kid who's like 14 years old. His name is Paul, too. They're just so excited. <laughs> my name was Paul, and his name was Paul. I'm like, oh, great. You know, so I took pictures. We laughed, and then I caught up with the group. And then so we went through this, and I'll tell you, when you see people live in that extreme poverty, scavenging through garbage to collect what they can to recycle to get enough money to buy food that day and that's their daily survival it really blew me away so we got back to the YWAM base and they started talking about student sponsorship and you know by this time you know you go through that you think I want to sponsor every kid in the world you know so I said well at least I can do that so they said if you'd like to go in and go through the cards you can pick out your child Honest to God truth, I went into the office, and the first card I picked up was this kid, Paul, that I just met. Mm. I was like, okay, message, hello. <laughs> I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. So I started in 1990. I began sponsoring. 
And when I came back from that trip, I could not get those people out of my mind. And the thing that most impacted me was their contentment and joy and giving. They would give you anything, and they had nothing. I thought, man, if my car doesn't start in the morning, the world is over. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's going to be a bad day. And I'm thinking, I'm missing something. So from that point on, I was determined, I want to go back. And my motivation to go back wasn't, I'm going to go help those people on Smoky Mountain. My motivation was, I'm going to go back because they have something for me that I don't have. And so a few years later, I started, you know, just going back and just volunteering and spending time. And, and uh, that was 24, almost 24 years ago. That's how it started. So you, you, you came back from, from the Philippines. So God did this thing in your heart, yeah. you know, with the, this boy named Paul. And he was obviously sending you this message. And, and so it, it, immediately, you know, you had all kinds of people paying your way back. And, oh, yeah. The Philippines yeah. And providing cards and letters for coming in. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so most of this has been on your dime going back for 20-something years. So far, all of it's so been. all been on your yeah. dime, yes. <laughs> so, okay. Trying so, to change that. But. How many times did you go back and forth before the idea for Hope for Change became? Uh, well, Hope for Change uh, well, Hope for Change became incorporated in 2008, mm -hmm. so it's been since then. Mm -hmm. So, however many years that is. I, I can't do the math. No, so many <laughs> Economic guy did my oh, That's right. Five years. <laughs> no, more. 1990 to 2008. That's more than five years. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a professor at Vassar. I know. I know. Well, we'll get what you pay for. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the, how did this vision for Hope for Change, when did it, it start then, but what did really happen in your life? Well, Hope for Change is a combination of not just myself, but James and Sarah Smith, who, uh, James Smith is a pastor of Morningstar Christian Fellowship in Kingston, and he's been going to Africa as long as I've been going to the Philippines, and his wife has been very involved in the Nagaland region of India, which is the northernmost. So what we realized, or came to realize, was that, you know, there are a lot of people in the world that want to give, and not necessarily Christian. And... In fact, to be honest, since we became Hope for Change, it's kind of been more non-Christians helping us than mm -hmm. Christians. That's, you know, it is what it is, and it's fine. So we wanted to have a vehicle here, a 501c3 nonprofit, that we can utilize to help support these people and these projects that we've known for so many years. So that's how it came to be. So talking about the kids' sponsorship, what, was it, what is that? <clears throat> Uh, what we do is we utilize the public school system. But over there, you have to be able to buy your own uniforms, your own school supplies, uh, to be able to cover things throughout the year, like special projects. And some kids have to travel, so there's traveling expense. So what our sponsorship program does, which we partner with YWAM, the, the one that I started with in 1990, is we provide whatever the student needs for the year. You know, there's, there's no concern for the family for, because if there is, they, won't, they just won't go to school. The, the parents will say, you know, it's, we can't afford this, so you're not going. So there's a lot of kids over there that just don't go to school. They, they're in the garbage stuff. They're on the street. They're hanging out. And how much does this uh, sponsorship cost? For an elementary student, it's $95 for the year. 
For high school, it's $125 for the year, and for college, it's $525 for the year. That covers everything. That covers everything that they need. Yeah. And so what I do when I go, and I'll be going back in March, probably for the whole month of March, is most of my time is spent visiting the kids, which is my favorite thing to do. I go to their homes. I spend time with them and their family. And thanks to Facebook especially, communication from when I first started to now is light years difference. And so I'm in communication with a lot of the students. They all have Facebook. And uh, so it's really been very helpful. So you go over there and, you, and basically are you trying to find more kids to sponsor? Is, is, is that one of the things you go over? Right now, it's reversed. We're trying to find more sponsors because we have, you have a kid, an overload of students that are in the program that don't have sponsors. For some reason or another, their sponsors backed out or stopped sponsoring them. So once we get to that point where all the kids are covered, then we'll certainly, because there's no shortage. Okay. So. And when one of these families or one of these children receive a sponsorship, what is, what is their reaction like? Well, of course, very thankful, especially the older, especially a college student. I mean, because what we found that truly breaks the cycle of poverty is when they're able to go through all the way and get a college education, they're able to get a job and a good, comparatively a good job, which changes the whole family because they don't leave. They stay with their family and they, they help support, you know, the household. They support their younger siblings it really starts to break the cycle of poverty. So they're very thankful for whatever you can do. Now, you, you've been in a lot of their homes. Yeah. How many, how many people typically fit in one of these? How many fit or how many are in there? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Two fit. Yeah. No, well, that's not the case. Yeah. can't really give a dimension of, of what the house is. majority of the people live in housing units, which back in 1995 the government just got rid of the garbage dump and relocated the people. It was a big process, kind of a long story. So many of the people now live in what's known to everyone there is called permanent housing, where they finally were moved in. So each family gets a unit, which, you know, if you like from, he, from the middle of that panel to here, maybe, and a loft. And I've been in some of those zones with 16 people live. So it's... It's Pretty tight. cozy. Yeah. And they have <laughs> I swear multiple... they sleep, and they just line up yeah. on the floor. And, and, the, and the facilities that are in this, in this building? Well, they do have a bathroom, which previously they did not. I mean, especially in the dump, you know, there's no sewage at all. You just is what it is. And then, but, and then when they were moved to the temporary housing, there were communal bathrooms, which is a nightmare. And now at least each unit has... You know, some kind of a bathroom situation. How many people have traveled with you over to the... You brought other people with you over to the... I have. I have. But, you know, I prefer to go by myself just because logistically it's easier for me to move around. Uh, I don't mind doing teams, but uh, I've brought... I think the largest team I brought was about 10 people at one time. But, you know, there have been, over the years... Team of four or five, you know, few. What is their typical reaction when they they see what's actually going on? Pretty much everyone that first sees it is overwhelmed. A couple of years ago, my niece uh, and uh, another friend of hers who was a college student also, and I took them to the garbage dump. And my niece was, she's been around, she's traveled a lot, so she handled it well. But the other girl, 
you know, I always, when I bring someone there for the first time, I always kind of keep my eye on them just to see what's, and I noticed her just like standing kind of away from everybody with her back to us. And I said, uh, you know, it's, it's hitting her. So I walked over and I said, uh, Leah, are you okay? She said, why is this happening? Why are people, I mean, she just, and then she just began to weep. And I said, you know, that's the reality of, of the situation. There's really no explanation. Even Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. So I, I don't have an answer. I only know that, you know, you start with uh, one at a time. And you change one, changes another, changes another. Can you uh, uh, maybe give us a, a word picture of what a what a, a day in the life of one of these people that live on the garbage dumps? What 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 is it, if they don't have an opportunity to get educated? What is their day like? Well, for many of them, they, they'll go e- even uh, now that they're not. You know, the original Smoky Mountain garbage dump, like I said, was bulldozed down and they were moved. But you know, of course, there's another garbage dump where it's kind of started all over again. But even those that live in the housing units, if they don't have a job, they go to the garbage dump every day and they'll scavenge, you know, plastic, whatever they can get where they go and get it weighed and then they get a certain amount of money for the weight. So that's their day. They go and, um, you know, I've been there watching the whole scene, like a garbage truck will come in and they just swarm to the garbage truck because it's new. You know, and they, they want to be the first in there. Um, a few years ago, there was a 14-year-old boy who jumped in the truck and was crushed by the by the garbage truck because he didn't know it was still being. That was one of the saddest things I saw here because uh, for the week, the family didn't have enough money for the funeral for this boy. So here, if you can, I don't think you can picture it, but you're in a garbage dump. And there's this little, uh, you know, kind of a canopy tent that you'd set with a coffin with people sitting around it gambling to raise money to bury this child. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And uh, And there's a lot of sad things. There's a lot of sad things over there. There's also hope because you have seen people that you have sponsored early on. Yeah. uh, Left poverty. And then what did they do? Well... My first sponsored child, Paul, the other Paul, is now married, four kids, and he and his wife are the ones who are ministering to the college students in the program. So they're working full-time for Youth with a Mission there, and they work with us directly. Their oldest daughter, Mary Rose, will be graduating in March uh, with a degree in psychology. So... It's really going full circle for them. So you can make a difference even with this very oh, yeah. small investment. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, one of Paul's other spiritual gifts is that he is a very black and white person. He will say whatever is on his mind. Sometimes it's so, been that thing to do. But yes, yes, but you haven't been known to do that. Uh, matter of fact, when I told him, first told him that I was becoming associate pastor, you remember what you said? <laughs> he said, well, nice knowing you. <laughs> That's what I said. That is what you said. <laughs> but again, it, it is it is your great heart that has always attracted me to you as 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 your friend. And there is one special story I asked you to share. Is a story that uh, continuously 
grips my heart when, when I've heard lots of Paul's stories about the Philippines over the years. Matter of fact, I was supposed to go with him a couple of years ago, but it didn't, didn't work out. But hopefully I'll get, I'll get that opportunity. And Are you in March? Uh, I'm going to be in Illinois. <laughs> uh, one, what, there's this one story, this story about this little girl that you met. And, and uh, I'd like you to share about the story. Then there is a song that, that Paul wrote about this experience that I want him to share with us. Mm. My wife and I were visiting. We have an adopted daughter from the Philippines, Daniele, whose mom uh, uh, has struggled with HIV. She's still alive. Thank God. It's a long story. But um, anyway, at, she was when we were there visiting, she was in the hospital in the AIDS unit. So we went to visit her one night. <clears throat> we got there, and, uh, you know, you walk into the reception area, the, the wing of the hospital, and I noticed there was this cot in the middle of the reception area with this little girl, later found out she's eight years old, visibly dying of AIDS. I mean, she had the open sores. And, you know, my first reaction was like, whoa, I'm not going near that. And that was really my first reaction. And immediately, you know, I don't claim to hear the Lord's voice, but I heard the Lord's voice. <laughs> and he said, who would be the first one I would go to? And I said, uh, mm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, all right. I got re- tried to get rid of that attitude. Well, wouldn't you know, the girl, you know, gets out of her bed and it comes right up to me. Just wherever I walked, she was like right by my side. So we're sitting in the room talking with uh, who we were visiting, and she's just staring at me. I realized all she wants is to be held. That's all she wanted. So I said, you know what, I don't care. I don't care about the open source. I don't care about anything. And I just picked her up and held her. To this day, I can tell you, I feel the heat of the fever that she had. She was so hot with fever. So I started asking about her. Well, who, you know, what's her story? Who is she? She was basically abandoned at the steps of the hospital. Family wanted nothing to do with her anymore. And couldn't take care of her. They didn't even know her name. Uh, they... They named her Girlie, which is kind of a common nickname over there for girls. Obviously. Nobody came to visit her. She, they didn't have a room for her. That's why that bed was in the reception area. So she just laid around all day and watched people walk by her. And, and nobody really wanted to have any physical contact with her, obviously. So they'd you know, give her a stuffed animal or something. But, I mean, really, they just... Didn't know what to do with her. She was just, they just placed her in, in this bed in the hallway. So I was like, oh, But I'll never forget the look on her face, you know, holding her. And uh, two weeks later, she died. But I thought, man, I learned a lesson that day. <clears throat> the difference between kind of having pity on someone and really having compassion. Because pity is like, oh, I feel really bad for you. But compassion moves you to action. And, and, you know, again, to be honest, I didn't want to. I was afraid, you know, whatever it was, afraid or freaked out or whatever. But, but I said, you know, at some point I said, I made a decision. It's not going to matter. I have, this is what, this is all, what else can I do for her? You know, I wish she could do more, but you can't. But that's all she wanted. Just to be touched. Yeah, just to be held, just human touch. So... Yeah, it's that story. Are <laughs> you able to do this song? Yeah, I can do this song. Well, 
You remember the old Elvis movies? Like you'd be talking all of a sudden. Oh, so you got a guitar over I'll there? I'll get you the guitar. Oh, that's good too. Uh, you know, I've always been your roadie. Now, uh, of course, this comes with a disclaimer. I've actually never sung this song in public. He's doing it a special favor for me. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Plus, he's going to get a bell after this. <laughs> you know, my, my thing as a musician is always playing for somebody else. And I've done this song in public, but I've had really good girl singers singing. So it's, like, really great. But, so, I apologize. What do you get? I could do 
Yeah, the least I could do was hold you for a while. Try to bring you comfort, try to make you smile. Taking time and holding you was the least that I could do. about that song is its simplicity so what what do those words mean like to you personally well I had a hard time you know I'm not a great songwriter but I have friends who are (laughs) so um, uh, one particular friend Bob Alligan who's written songs for many people the head guy in Kaylee Rain so I told him the story and I told him that you know, it was just an outlet for me. I just wanted to be able to express it in a different way. And he said, yeah, okay. So I started writing it, and I'd send him the lyrics, and he'd say, no, no, stop me. Send it back. <laughs> Do some more work. Because, no, no, you're not telling me the story. You're not telling me the story. Mm-hmm. So he really pushed me and really helped me in writing this song. So um, it was just a way, just a, a way for me to remember it and, and uh, have an outlet for it. And I do have a recorded version with a girl, a really great singer who did a wonderful job, way better than I did. <laughs> and uh, so I have that. So at least I have it, you know, to remember. And, uh, you know, it just it brings it back to life for me. Mm. Amen. So if you, had a, if you had a wish list today, what would that wish list look like? Big chunk of change. <laughs> Well, it would make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do. I have to say, uh, very thankful this year. Um, we have received. We've received enough money from the foundation to put 19 college kids mm-hmm. to school this year. Um, um, I really want them to see them through their whole college career. So mm-hmm. we can pray for that. <laughs> but but it was a big. Uh, uh, joy for all of them and and myself to be able to do that so uh, but at the same time you know there's so many kids that are in need you just want to help everybody but you know you can only do what you can do so do you have a count of maybe how many people over the over the years that uh, you guys have been able to sponsor no i mean the uh no i overall i'm not sure there are thousands of kids that have been helped not all succeeded uh, but many have. Uh, there's you'd appreciate, appreciate this. The first batch of students is a graduate Dennis, super guy, um, extremely talented artist, and became very successful mm. in his field. He's not only does commercial art, but does art, art, you know. And uh, he's done some uh, drawings primarily of. You know, growing up in the dump, and so it's he's a he's a real success story. Mm. He and he was from the first batch of students. I'm still in contact with him. He's a really good guy. Well, I, I appreciate you you know coming and, and, and sharing your your a little bit of, a little bit of your story. Obviously, this is this is a big thing that uh, Paul and that is Bob been for 20 plus years here, and and 
Uh, I would ask that uh, you talk to Paul afterwards. He's got, he's got some information just to hand out. Uh, obviously, he's a dear friend of mine, and I wanted to expose you. Some of you know him, but I wanted to expose just his heart to you so uh, you can see his vision and his dreams, what he has. This is a, a we sponsor uh, a little boy, and Sarah sponsors a girl. And we've found it that it's it's a very simple way of doing something is truly inexpensive when uh, when you look at the uh, the benefits that that education can do for these people yeah in fact sarah's girl her name is mylene and uh this girl is she she doesn't live in the housing unit she actually lives with her mom in the garbage dump when i was there in april uh, last april which is their school's over the school year is from june to march in the philippines so april um kids are off so her day uh, what her what her mom does is that in their home they have this little uh, store mm-hmm. set up where they sell whatever they can sell so her summer vacation was getting up at 6 a.m. to help her mom and work till midnight 6 a.m. till midnight mm-hmm. and uh Always smiling, always. I was so I spent. I got to spend a lot of time with her. She's such a great kid, and um, so she came to see me where I stay. And uh, I, I'm thinking about this kid. I'm thinking, can't be like she's always. This can't be, you know. So I said, Mylene, really, how are you? I mean, I really want to know how you are. She said, Kuya, which is the word for older brother. Kuya, I'm happy. I said, I'm happy all the time. She said, I said, nobody's happy all the time. <laughs> she said, and, uh, you know, words to live by. When I wake up and I have life, I'm happy. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, again. Yes. You know, I, so I, you know, I have learned so much from those people. They changed my life, really. I mean, you know me from before. Yes, I do. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I was complaining about that. But these people changed my life. What is the greatest lesson that you think God has taught you through these people? Contentment. And you got to be content with where you're at. Because, hey, listen, there are people that have it way worse than you, mm-hmm. no matter what you're going through. So, Amen. So, thank you. Thank you for being Thank you for having me. So, uh, yes. So, if if you want to make a donation, you just you could just make your checks out to uh, Hope for Change, right? That's good. Sure. And just drop it in the box or hand it to Paul. Uh, this is no pressure to do so, but we would ask you that you pray and at least talk to Paul afterwards and find out more about the organization. And obviously, the Philippines need our prayers desperately. Uh, the school was not affected by the storm. Correct? No, Manila, the Manila, the brunt of the typhoon went through the Visayas region, which if you see the Philippines on a map, it's a series of islands that kind of go like this. So Luzon is the largest island, which is where Manila is, and then this middle section is a lot of smaller islands. Interestingly enough, the, the city that was directly hit, Vanessa was there three years ago on a medical outreach. Mm. The city's been totally devastated. Wow. Totally devastated. They're estimating now there could be up to 10,000 people dead. To kind of give a perspective, Katrina, which, you know, the United States was the worst hurricane, right? 
had 165 mile an hour winds. This one had 195 sustained winds with 235 mile an hour gusts. Part of the area also just had an earthquake a few weeks ago, so a lot of the buildings are already compromised. So it's just a horrible devastation. The Philippines is a, uh, almost a whole nation is really a poverty-stricken nation. Yeah, it's and it's like always something <laughs> happening there. So we we need to pray for the uh, for the nation of, and and for the people that are. You know, there are a lot of uh, YRAM workers there who are basically missionaries who, who don't get paid. You know, they, they, uh, they try to raise money to, and they have consistently spent their life working with these people. Uh, certainly, they need our prayers, too. So, again, if you would like to make a donation, just make it out to Hope for Change. But just uh, meet Paul. He's a good guy. He doesn't bite, I promise. And uh, let me just pray and dismiss us all and we can fellowship together. Father, thank you for this, this wonderful day. Thank you that you have uh, consistently shown us your heart through your people. So I thank you for Paul and, and his, uh, his story, what you've done in him and through him. And the lessons that he's still learning about the Philippines and, and the people who desperately need to hear your voice and need an opportunity to, to, to escape poverty. Thank you for Hope for Change, for what it's doing in Africa and in the Philippines and Nagaland. Thank you for the faithful servants that we just don't hear much about. We ask, Lord, for a blessing upon these organizations that you would, you would indeed supply the funds that they need and the people that they need and the resources they need. We ask for that. We pray for the nation of the Philippines. We pray for the countries of the world to come together and to minister to this nation and with goods and, and, and the gospel and, and whatever is needed to, to help this nation overcome this great, great, great uh, tragedy. Father, we I thank you for the people that have showed up here today. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their lives, their stories, the people that they are touching in, in, in their world. I pray, Father, that they will become more effective in that, that you will release giftings and talents in them so that they can go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And we thank you for this and we ask your blessing in the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody.